This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. Good morning. Hello, everybody. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports application, plus all those podcast platforms out there, even the pesky ones, even the ones you don't like, even the ones, quite frankly, you're a little upset with and they don't treat you the way you need to be treated. Yes, you don't like uh, you don't like your podcast platform. That's okay. We'll be there anyway. That's just uh, the kind of people we are. Hello, formal Friday. Yes, formal. Justin. What's going on? Good morning, sir. We got rid of Mora. She is uh, off to uh, lovely Iowa, uh, where all great people take their vacations in June. <laughs> uh, good luck to you, Mora. Hopefully, you're on your plane by now. And Rob is in the building for the next couple of days. Good morning, buddy. Good morning, Rob. Thanks for being with us today. Hello. I am. Uh, you're you're lucky, quite frankly. You weren't in here yesterday. Uh, you took a break from training, and um, you missed out. I, I got to tell you, you really missed out. I was in a good mood. What I miss out? Of? I was feeling great, right, Justin? What you say? I was. I feeling... would say you were in an above average mood. You think so? For what? <laughs> uh, like Michael Stipe? I mean, like I was pretty. I was in a bad place. You were yesterday. Channeling some, yeah, a, a bad character from. Probably some sort of movie you watched as a kid that expressed your anger because we got therapeutic yesterday for you too. It was so a little, were, it was a bit of a therapy session yesterday. But yeah, about seven thirty, method actor. About seven thirty, we had DMAC on from Denver, mm-hmm. and there's something about DMAC's insane energy that just kind of I don't know perked me up a little bit. Snap. Sometimes you just need something to snap you out of that little funk that you're in, and you know it was a Mariners related funk. Dis- let's it was be disarming. Clear. Yeah, it just sort of knocked me off my spot enough that I was able to kind of take a deep breath and, you know, draw back a little bit, gain a little bit of perspective. And what I would tell you is this morning, with a little bit more perspective, because I was, if you weren't listening yesterday, quite frankly, I hope you weren't. If you weren't listening yesterday, which really, again, would probably be for the best for you, for me, for everybody. <laughs> Great sell to go listen to the podcast from yesterday. Yeah, go, you job. know, whatever you do, go listen to the first hour and a half yesterday. <laughs> You're going to love it. It was really, really good. <laughs> um, I think I think with a little perspective, I was able to come away from it and remember that as aggravating as Wednesday night was. And let me tell you, it was aggravating. I was talking to my dad about it yesterday. Like, you ever had, because of course, not like he watched the game. I was like, you know those games where, and I was just sort of describing the game. He's like, I hate those games. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Right? It was just one of those games where just everything fell the wrong way. And now that I get a little perspective, nice to have a day off yesterday. Nice to kind of step back and away from sort of the day-to-day intensity of, of where this season's at. I realized two things. One positive, one less so. Which would you like first? Oh, oh I was end on a positive. So All right, well, let's go positive, positive first. Great. I'm glad you said so, Justin. <laughs> the positive is there should be a lot of hope. This team is taking the right approach, and we've now seen it for a week. I know that there were people, and there will be more here, 866-979-3776, who will, who will hit the you know text machine here or tweet or whatever and tweet at me or whatever and say that, um, you know, get excited about two games or whatever. It's more than that. It's been a week. Seriously. It's been since Texas that they had week and a half, really. It's been since the Texas series that they've taken a good approach at the plate. 
and it's starting to pay some dividends in terms of results. Is it perfect? No. Is it better? Definitively. They're seeing more pitches. They're swinging at better pitches. They're not striking out as much. I mean, like, these things are measurable with with numbers and with our eyes. They just tell us that they are taking a better approach at the plate. And if that means that Teoscar and Suarez, probably those two specifically who we've had so much conversation about, but Cal Raleigh and others and Ty France and eventually Julio, that those guys are starting to come around and that this team is starting to look more offensively like it was always supposed to look. Good. They're going to need that, right? You want to just rip through Chicago this weekend and then go off on this really challenging road trip, another really challenging road trip with New York and Baltimore, right? And and go see what you're capable of doing against two of the better teams, certainly offensively, that you're going to see. So I am excited and, and, and I am able to look at some of the positive of of what they've accomplished here in the last week and what it means, hopefully, for the rest of the season. So sure, I would agree. A little perspective trending does in the right direction. Help. Now the not so positive. You know, in Clerks, <laughs> how many times have you seen the movie Clerks? Since high school, it's been a long time. Well, that's it's that's a, a you, that's a you problem. It's First of all, remedy that. Go see Clerks immediately. Um, I've seen Clerks. I can't even fathom how many times I've seen that movie. And maybe this is just, you know, old Gen X guy going back to his high school days in order to talk about a movie that I love. But one of my favorite lines or, well, I guess favorite themes from Clerks is Dante, the main character, who keeps saying, I'm not even supposed to be here today. And Mm -hmm. he's super frustrated about that. That's how I feel with the Mariners. We're not even supposed to be here having this conversation this year. And I think ultimately that's what it is that's so frustrating. And I understand, you know, that, that that at times I've been antagonistic towards people that wanted to bury the Mariners two weeks into the season or, you know, w- refused to my view to look at sort of the entirety of what they did this offseason. It, it, it's fine. Put that aside. We've had our differences. We've disagreed. I'm sorry if I came across as, as overly cocksure of how I felt about it. We're not supposed to be here talking about this. This team is not supposed to have this kind of struggles this year. And I think ultimately that's why you're frustrated. I'm frustrated. We're all frustrated. Jerry's frustrated. Scott's frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. And we're all expressing it in different ways. And we're all sort of, you know, uh, choosing different, whether it's people or organizations or things to get mad at. We're all kind of doing that in our own, you know, special way. But I think ultimately it's the same thing. We're not supposed to be here. We're not supposed to be having this conversation this year. This was supposed to be the year that we were done with this, right? It was fine that last year at the beginning of the year we had to deal with it and that they were disappointing because, quite frankly, the expectations were still new. And then they ended up defeating those expectations. And and the new expectation was, guess what? We don't have to worry about that garbage anymore. Here's the thing. Baseball doesn't care about your expectations. It really doesn't. And I don't mean Major League Baseball. I mean the game of baseball in general. Mm -hmm. It doesn't care. It doesn't care what you think. It doesn't care what you're prepared for. It It doesn't care about any of that stuff. Baseball just sort of operates on its own timeline with its own ups and downs, with its own frustrations and successes. It just, it doesn't care the way things are supposed to be. There's a little bit of, you know, putting the cart before the horse at the beginning of the season, but you you 
felt confident in doing so right. because of the the ground that you the foundation you had already built. Yes, that's exactly that was, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it, it's like going for a run with your buddy that says they've been working out, and then it's like a couple miles in, you're like, hey, where? Where are you? I'm still up here. I'm still waiting for you to be up here. Now I have to slow down for you. And I'm I'm disappointed, of course, because as a Mariners fan, I want, all I want them to do is win, and all right. I want to do is see playoffs, and all I want to do is see deep playoff runs. And the you're right. The expectation of it, the players you have on paper who are supposed to be delivering more than what they're delivering, and then you look around and say, wait a minute, what happened? I forgot that, these are, that there's 29 other professional teams yeah. who all got better as well. Yeah. Hey, how's that going for the Rangers, by the way? I remember a week or so ago, they were the best team in the universe. How are they doing now? They won last night? They did. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. Oh, no, they, they, they the lost Angels last night. Yeah. Fact, they just got their they, butts oh, whooped by the Angels. They huh? almost, at the end, they almost that, had well, Didn't you just write to me last night and say the AL West race is kind of close? It's getting close. It's wow, getting it's closer. interesting that that's happening. Yeah, Otani's it's weird because I thought the season was over June 10th, but it, I guess <laughs> it turns out they're still going to play the okay. other four months of this season or whatever it is. I just, I'm th- you know what, Justin? I'm glad you reminded me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that because I, I I, that was important. I, I, I said they had won because I was thinking they had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth. Right. I was watching that game thinking well, but they're they were perfect about to walk team, it off. So I, I mean, the teams are exactly the way they are right now. They're never going to change, and that's it. Like, you just take a one-day snapshot of baseball and assume that that's the way the game is going to be forever because that's the way to handle well this at sport. least the dodgers came back and beat up the white Sox last night in a late yes. game 11 innings good so they'll be tired and uh, they're already Hopefully. a bad team and Hopefully. kind of miserable by the time they get here tonight mm-hmm. better take advantage and do some damage this weekend all right we'll come right back we'll give you everything you need to know before the jerry depoto show in 20 minutes brock and salt seattle sports on 710 seattlesports.com Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Another off day, but unlike last week for the Mariners, this one shouldn't be so active, nor is it a chance for us to take stock or see how many significant changes they could possibly make. They've actually played some better baseball over the last week or so, and it sounds like it all began with a better, simpler approach. Boy, I guess the first thing I'd say is it's probably nothing super scientific or or a real major departure from anything we've ever done before. It's just a slightly different tone of message, and and that's what you have to do. And with teams over the course of seasons, is is you're trying to take the same philosophies, the same premise, and and deliver it in a different package. And well, that's what Scott did: sort of change things, simplified things, and it's worked. Rather than messaging through a channel of people, I think Scott just took it and said, "Hey, let's just hit the ball back through the middle, line drives back through the middle." and you know, and, and we'll see how long that message carries before it needs to be repackaged again, because it, it will. That's just how baseball works. Yeah, and, and just sort of how coaching works and teaching works and good on Scott for simplifying it and seemingly finding something that will work for this team for at least a little while. But what do they do now? Because, again, they sort of dug themselves a deeper hole than anybody would like. The answer, according to Aaron Goldsmith, pretty simple. This team needs to hit home runs. I mean, whenever we talk, we talk about this. It needs to hit home runs. It is not a linear string-it-together lineup and let's bunch together five base hits in an inning. That's not the way that this team is. Uh, It has to hit bombs. But to go up there trying to hit home runs will not work, and it will not work for basically every player who's ever played baseball. So if your mindset is do something different, which is stay in the big part of the field, uh, up the middle the other way, you do that enough, you will eventually start to hit home runs. It's just It's an odd way that the game works, but... Uh, we're seeing that start to turn. We saw more, certainly more home runs against the Marlins. Which is more frustrating, baseball or golf? 
You guys can Ooh. ponder that one for a little Ooh. while. I'll, I'll take some texts if you have thoughts. 866-979-3776. I don't know. White Sox will be in town for a series this weekend, and they've not been very good. Brian Wu against Michael Kopech to get it started tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, well, as the A's deal gets closer to going down in Vegas, and it was signed by the governor, I think earlier this morning or last night, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, is starting to comment on the move out of Oakland, and it's certainly not pretty what he has to say. You know, I I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. Do you, though? I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think that the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? What is it you want to do for me? Not what can we do to help the fans. What can Oakland do for me? There is no Oakland offer. Oh. Okay. Well, Oakland disputes that. They say we got plenty of offers. I mean, they, they never got to the point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. Not what Oakland says again. And it's not just John Fisher. You don't build... I mean, it's sort of John Fisher, though. ...a (laughs) stadium based on the club activity alone. The community has to provide support. And, you know, at some point you come to the realization it's just not going to happen. I mean, maybe the community needs to provide support, but maybe they also need a reason to believe that the man they're in bed with has even some semblance of a desire to treat them the way they deserve to be treated as well. I can't believe this garbage out of Rob Manfred's mouth. So he's asked then about the reverse boycott and the people that showed up the other night. I did. You know, I mean, it was great. Uh, It's great to see what is this year, you know, Almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Snark. Snark's definitely the right answer here, Rob. Let's go with snark. You've got all the various options open to you of how to handle a question like this, and you've chosen snark? Really? As somebody who loves snark, there's a time and a place, brother. What in the world are you doing? Are you trying to become the heel? Are you trying to make people in Oakland hate you? Well, it's okay, because at the end of it, he was asked what he would say to Oakland fans if he could. I hope they stay baseball fans, whatever team they decide to affiliate with. Um, Again, you know, I'll say it again. Uh, The piece of this particular... I can't listen to it anymore. You hope they stay baseball fans, whatever team they decide to affiliate with. Rob, what would Zizzy say you do? Did he learn from David Stern? Like, is this like a direct David Stern lineage? Amazing. Amazing that the baseball owners would allow him to go out and talk that way. Here's the third thing you need to know. You can grow out the rough. You can speed up the greens. You can do it all you want. But if the wind is calm and the pins aren't tucked, the pros are just going to eat your lunch. It's unbelievable how good these guys are. After hearing all week about how tough LA Country Club was, right, we got exactly the opposite in round one. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both broke single round U.S. Open records with eight under 62s yesterday. Plenty of other big names in contention as well, including a couple of live guys, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, plus Rory and Scotty Scheffler are all in the top 10 as action continues today from L.A. ACC. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter pass to every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Anybody see Brooks Kepka yesterday? 
But I, see, I didn't get to watch any of it oh, live to watch I was busy all going to Puyallup all day. It was crazy. Uh, instead of Brooks Kepka, they had some guy yesterday playing who has apparently eaten Brooks Kepka. I don't oh, know no. what happened oh, in oh, the like no. months since the PGA Championship. I know there was the rumors of whatever he was doing at that hockey game beforehand, uh-huh. maybe some partying. Uh-huh. I don't know what it led him to eat, but he seems to be on the reverse Eastside Weight Loss he's, Clinic he's plan. On a celebration tour. Bryce, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Kepka, who's not like a small, I mean, he's like usually a pretty jacked, built, like, you know. Yeah, he's thick. But in a good way. Right. He did not, he, he, he did not look oh, like no, that. I didn't see that. Dude, he looked so sloppy yesterday. It looked like DJ was bigger, too. I think of Dustin Johnson, I think of tall and lean. I don't know, man. These live guys, maybe it's just all the money they've made now. Maybe it's the fact that they're not playing as often. Maybe it's the fact that there's no competitiveness at all to the, to the events that they play in. But both guys looked. Um, I know I'm looking at him now. I don't think he looks any bigger. Who? Kepka. You're wrong. Dude, his face. He looked like somebody had inflated him. It was crazy. Wow. Kyle and I were texting about it yesterday, so I'm not alone on this one. He looked. Uh, Certainly bigger. Uh, Salk, text message, 866-979-3776. Could you uh, give us some tea times in Eastern time for today, please? No, I shall not do that. No, they, uh, I think, started at 640. They get going here in about 15 minutes. That's a Pacific Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Text people are thinking baseball is harder than golf. And I know it's all over the place. Golf is at least a team, or baseball is at least a team sport, so golf's harder. Yeah. Also, most frustrating. That's why I think baseball is more frustrating because there's too too many things you cannot control. Yeah. And unless you're willing to just completely cede that and be okay with everybody else not performing around you, then I would say that baseball is definitely there the more is that element. Sport. I don't know, man. Both sports are very frustrating. Golf to play, baseball to watch. There's something just unbelievably frustrating about watching someone play baseball, right? And in golf, like, I don't know, maybe it's the expectation and knowing how stupid and hard that game is that you can just sort of accept it more. But, gosh, watching people play baseball and playing golf yourself is like a recipe for incredible frustration. And yet, guess what I'm going to do today? I'm going to play golf this afternoon, and when I'm done, I'm going to watch the Mariner game because I'm some sort of glutton for punishment. Some sort of, (laughs) exactly, absolute masochist looking to torture myself. Jerry DePoto joins us next. Brock and Salt, Sales Sports. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Jerry, certainly uh, a better week, a much better approach, some good at bats. What did you make of it all? Yeah, again, I still prefer to win on Wednesdays. You know, it's a, it's a much <laughs> more pleasant feeling. But uh, yeah, it, it has been. It's been a it's a better week, I, and I think specifically a better week for our offense. You know, it started in San Diego and. You know, we have really strung together a nice run of uh, just quality at bats and taking good passes and meaningful swings and creating traffic. And, and I, including last night, what was a weird and wonky game, I think we did a lot of good things offensively that probably will never show up in a box score, but we're, we're, we're improving. We're getting better. So Scott mentioned the messaging had changed, that that they had a conversation and it, it sort of turned into, you know, going back up the middle, et cetera, and trying to simplify that approach. C- can you take us behind the scenes a little of that? Like, how, how does that process work? How do you or does Scott who, who works together to come up with the idea to change the messaging and then execute on that? How does it get transferred to the players? How do they accept it? What does that look like? Boy, I guess the first thing I'd say is it, it's probably nothing 
super scientific or or a real major departure from anything we've ever done before. It's just this slightly different tone of message. And and that's what you have to do when with teams over the course of seasons is is you're trying to take the same philosophies, the same premise and and deliver it in a different package. And you know, in this case, it is a combination of we do biweekly check-ins on all the elements of our team. We have an offensive check-in that, that exists every other week. And, you know, we sit down with our hitting coaches, our staff, our analysts, and you know, a couple of members of our front office, our high-performance team, our trainers. And we go through everything offense, you know, how our hitters are feeling, how they're moving, you know, who's struggling, trying to dig into why. From there, we go into you know a a meeting that exists the first day of each series with Scott, the staff, and you know our advanced scouting people and and a couple of scouting uh, I guess personnel, and and we go through what our outlook looks like for that three or four game set, and uh, from there you'll have the, the messaging that starts to to develop in the daily hitters meeting when our hitters sit down with our coaches and 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 advanced scouting people to go through the opponents. So it's, it's multiple layers. In this case, Scott simplified it, you know, rather than messaging through a channel of people, I think Scott just took it and said, Hey, let's just hit the ball back through the middle line drives back through the middle. And, you know, and, and we'll see how long that message carries before it needs to be repackaged again, because it, it will, that's just how baseball works. Well, the messaging that I heard pretty loud and clear from you last week when I asked you what was most perplexing of, of what's you know uh, happened offensively, and you said without hesitation the power outage, just the just the entirety of the group uh, cumulatively and just their their power outage over the season, started to see that power come on over the last week. From your opinion or from your eye and expertise, why? Uh, we're showing it better pitches, and I, we've we've hit the ball hard. We've done good things, and you know, over the course of the season, it just hasn't resulted in the, the type of power production that we're used to or that we expect from this group. And some of it is is the natural flow of warmer days. Warmer days, the ball does tend to travel better, and you know, we saw that two days ago where we hit balls well and they left the ballpark. And you know, yesterday a little less uh, of a of a you know that kind of normal june summer day and we saw a couple of balls that that didn't quite get as far but uh you know that's one element of it but mostly it's just swinging at better pitches and, and i think we have the personnel to to do the things that we've done over the last week or that we you know forecast for this team to do over a long season and over 162 games that does tend to bear out it's just bearing out in the in in a way that we would prefer it not would like it to be more balanced instead of, you know, I guess condensed in small spaces, but uh, you know, we've got a lot of season left and hopefully we can make that happen. You mentioned last night being sort of a weird wonky game and that you'd like to win on a Wednesday. We we too would prefer that, but how do you handle a game? Like I find a game like last night to be incredibly infuriating in some ways, maybe more so than a game where, you know, Hey, you know, you get blown out. The pitcher doesn't have it, whatever, you know, the sort of, I don't want to just call it bad luck because I think that's unfair, but the sort of you hit 105 mile an hour rockets that get caught. The other team hits 70 mile an hour bloops that fall in. How, you've been around this game a long time. How do you learn to not be so mad about those things? 
You know, weirdly, last night, like you, I think it's you, you go through nine innings of mounting frustration. And, you know, frankly, it wasn't a particularly favorable strike zone. <laughs> there were a lot of things over the course of that game that were frustrating. And, and we didn't pitch well. You know, we, we created a lot of our own issues with, with freebies and, and allowing, you know, the, the, the Marlins to create traffic so that the softer contact did score runs. But, you know, to, to have so many balls driven to the wall, frankly, over the wall and brought back. And it, it's by the time it ended and the way the ninth inning transpired with, you know, what looked like vintage June, 2022 Mariners ninth inning starting to, to shape up with the chaos. I, to, to have the game end the way it did almost made me laugh going home. Like, Oh my God, the absurdity of that game where it, it the, the, Sluggers slugging, you know, we are swinging at the right pitches. It was a very good offensive approach against a very good young pitcher and what has been a really good bullpen. I, I, I really can't fault anything that our players did for losing that game yesterday, and that's reliance on process. I, I appreciate the, the process that we applied, and I wake up this morning thinking, wow, that, that's one of those, and there'll be a dozen of them over the course of a season where you're sitting there steaming as the game's going on. But there's really not a heck of a lot you can do about it. You know, fair or unfair, Jerry, I think one thing I've been fairly consistent doing this job is holding those with the, I don't know, I don't it's always money or contracts, but just the, the talent, the superstars to a different level, you know, with more, it becomes more expectation and fair or unfair. I kind of do that to some of the different players. And I probably have my eye on Julio and have had it on Julio as much as anybody on this roster this season. The last homestand absolutely caught fire to begin June. Uh, since has just cooled off a, a little bit. And it's been a little bit of peaks and valleys, more so than maybe I anticipated this year. How do you characterize his season through 67 games? Yeah, you know, just like that, you know, a little bit up, a little bit down. Um, still magically, and I, I say this, he's still on pace for something in the neighborhood of a 30-30 season as an above-average offensive player who's played phenomenal defense from pole to pole, <laughs> and he's 22 years old. It's He's trying to figure it out. You know, there's so much that goes on with being a star in in today's sports world. And and so much of it exists away from the field. And, you know, to some extent, I think Julio is trying to balance that out, you know, trying to trying to approach a league that now knows a little bit about more about him, I, I guess you'd say. You know, he's he's trying to deal with what has been a pretty streaky season for him and, you know, not the best degree of batted ball luck. He continues to hit the ball hard and, you know, Julio's issues from day one and, and really the only issue that he has had this season is about the pitches he chooses to swing, swing at. It's, it's not been as consistent a part, you know, of his game as it has been in, in the past. And that goes back to his minor league days. And, and I do think that it, we saw a 10 day stretch where it was fabulous and the results were phenomenal. You know, this, this past week, the rest of our offense is really clicking. And, you know, every other day or every third day, we see Julio rise up and, and we see what he's capable of. And, and it'll become more consistent. I'm, I'm very confident in saying that. But it's, it has been a less consistent run. And I, the thing I remember is he's trying to adapt to a lot in his life. And, and he is a 22-year-old with immense talent who's still having a pretty good year. What are those challenges? I mean, what what is it that comes with being a star at this level like Julio that, that does make the world more challenging? 
Well, you know, I think the, the first and foremost, where this conversation began, you know, the, the fact that Brock would cite, you know, Julio in that light, you know, there's an expectation of Julio as a star. And, and that's something that he's not dealt with before. Oh, he invites it, you know, he embraces it. He wants that to be the case. You know, we're, we're three weeks or so out from the all-star game. I know there's a lot of pressure um, externally and, and that he puts on himself to be there. And part of that, whether it's, you know, part of that game hitting in a home run contest, it's the celebrity away from the field. You know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm you know, letting anybody in on trade secrets that over the course of the off season, Julio was very much a part of, of, you know, major league branding from, you know, baseball cards to, uh, to trying to capture the imagination of a new generation with a very exciting young player who has an engaging personality. And, and as much as most of that comes naturally to Julio, which is why it, it jumps through your TV in the way that it does, that's a lot to manage. And, you know, there are people pulling it at, at different stages, whether it's, whether it's, you know, on the, the business side, whether it's on the marketing side, whether it's, whether it's just, it's managing celebrity. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't understand that, frankly, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have to go back to the Ken Griffey junior days to find, you know, someone in our neck of the woods, maybe Ichiro who's, who's dealt with that on a stage like Julio is dealing with it. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that he's going to adapt to it and and learn how to balance that in his life. But it does. He wants to deliver every day. Last year, he wanted to deliver every day for our team and our fans. You know, now there are more elements, you know, being or, or I guess spices in that stew. He wants to deliver for so many people, and he can't really play that game. You know, it, it has to be about a small group. And and you know, I think once he gets back to to playing his game and, and doing his thing consistently. It's, it's just a maturation process. And, and there's so much to love about what he has and what he's done, even this year where it's been a little bit more up and down, but trying to understand what he's, what he's learning along the way. And, and we're all going to be better for it in the next year, two years, five years, because he is going to be one of the stars in this game and, and continue to be the, the focus when people flip on their TV and, and he's learning how to deal with that. I don't want to get you fined. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to have you talk to the umpires, but I am curious <laughs> in a, in other sports, when you have rough calls, the, the coaches, the organization writes to the league office and we'll get responses, you know, of, Hey, yep, this was wrong. Yep. This was wrong. Yep. We should have done a better this. And sometimes, you know, they're so egregious that the league offices will make that public and put it out to, in a press release to everybody to try to, to cover a little bit. Baseball is different. 162 games. These guys, there's now websites that you go to that show you their pitch accuracy, that show you their grade, that show you the run differential. Is there anything in, in your league that you guys write to to the league offices and say, hey, you know what, we got five at-bats last night that were just kind of diminished by balls well outside the zone, or does that just take care of itself through the process? I mean, we can write that letter, and there have been times in my baseball life you know, as in doing the jobs that we do now that we might, or simply pick up the phone and, and call the people at MLB who are most closely associated with the on-field group, you know, over, overseeing umpires, et cetera. I've made that call a, a number of times, including, you know, a number of times last year during the, the first early stages of, of the season when, when Julio was experiencing, you know, some, some unfortunate ball strike luck. But 
last night, again, I look at that game and it's, it, it was almost comically bad in, in every way that, that it could be. And, and I don't want to chalk it up to bad luck. I'm, I'm certain. I'm absolutely certain. And this is not critical in any way I, that the umpire last night probably went back to the clubhouse and he's thinking to himself, wow, I didn't have a good one. Tonight. And, and I felt that as a pitcher, there are multiple of our players that feel that on any given night. And he's a human being, you know, he's going to have one where he just flubs. And, and I'm pretty sure last night there, when he goes back, he didn't think, boy, I nailed that one. So it's a, uh, it's, it's 162 games. You're going to have days like that. It's part of the, the nuance of baseball and, and you can't really focus on it. You know, it's done and it's passed. It's a loss in the column and, and move on and focus on tomorrow's game. Hmm. Who uh, is, oh, go ahead. No, you get it, bro. Who is Jose Caballero? We had this conversation yesterday. Uh, Put it out to the text toy. He's got an on base of nearly 400. He's got a war that's actually higher than Julio right now, sitting at 1.4. He's an absolute pest, a nuisance to the opponent. He's a breath of unbelievable, fresh, competitive air. Who is he from your perspective? Uh, it's, it, it is shaping up to be that he is a, an impact player on this roster without really having that big, gaudy tool. His, his biggest tool is his on-field awareness. And, you know, for, for a young team that's trying to grow, and, and frankly, one of our less experienced players in, in, in Jose, there's his on-field awareness is just off the charts good. And, you know, having had a chance now to watch him play regularly like we all have, it's, uh, you know, we've seen him play before in three- and four-game pockets in the scouting world. You know, we've, we've received feedback from minor league staffs who've, who've had a chance, and, and he's always been very highly thought of in our system as a result of his, you know, just baseball IQ. But it just jumps off the page. He's, it's not gaudy power. He is a plus runner. He plays good defense. He scraps his way on base. You know, he's like a human magnet for getting hit by baseballs. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing what he's been able to do. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, it, with, with the way the season started for us, and frankly, the way the last couple of years have gone for us and trying to solve second base, you know, he has been, you know, a, a real breath of fresh air. And, you know, to do what he does and night after night, and I know Scott feels you know, so confident in playing him no matter who is pitching on the other side, he is going to find a way to make an impact on a game, whether big or small. And you know, to have that type of player, you know, the, the, that type of coach's awareness on the field is just extraordinary. And, I, and he has been awesome for us. And, and over the last month, maybe the most valuable second baseman in baseball, which is pretty stunning. Yeah, I was saying he's only, he he seems to make everyone on the other team mad in a good way. Kind of a little Runietto door with the personality there. Uh, you know, actually Odor, and I, I say this having watched Odor for so many years in in Texas, especially during his time with the with the Rangers. You know, Rudnet would get under your skin in a different way than Cabby gets under your skin. <laughs> Cabby gets under your skin. Maybe it's just because Cabby's playing for us and, and not on the other <laughs> team. But, you know. It's a there is there is a there is a savvy to his game. There is an edge. There is a you know I I, I could use words that I won't use on public radio. You know he's he's got a way about him that just drives under the skin of an opponent and and really creates uh, I, I guess an anxiety in the game. You know it, it's it's funny you, you look and when you look at at walk rates 
you know, if, if I'm going to use this as an example. You look at walk rates, and typically walk rates, high walk rates are associated with hitters with, with high end power. Hitters with power tend to walk more. Some of that is because they're looking for an isolated pitch in the strike zone to drive. Some of it is because pitchers are less likely to throw, you know, meat pitches to 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 that hitter to eat. And, you know, Cabby winds up in a lot of situations and to J.P. Crawford very similarly where they're in very favorable counts simply because they drive the other pitcher crazy with their lack of willingness to play their game. And I think Cabby does it with a combination of good strike zone judgment and almost like a physical annoyance, the way he moves, the way he manages that, that pitch clock, the, you know, the, the looks on his face, the wry look at the umpire. You don't usually see that from a 26-year-old with a couple of months of experience. It's, it's a veteran savvy. It's, I love it. It's awesome. That's pretty funny. Hey, um, what's the plan here for some of these rookie pitchers? I mean, you got... Uh, Bryce Miller, who's starting to throw more innings, and I know you backed him off a little bit to to give him a, an extra day of rest. I know Wu's had, uh, you know, he may be in an innings limit, et cetera. And even your, you know, the effect from there on Logan and Kirby, just having so many young guys in the rotation. What does that look like from your perspective? Yeah, you know, with George and Logan, we're not particularly concerned you know they are built out and ready to, to throw their starts and like George the last one it could be a dominant one and, and like Logan in, in his last turn they're going to struggle on occasion uh, that's just the nature of the game you know when you start 32 games they're not all going to be beautiful but uh, they're they're awesome they've been consistent starters for us for most of the last two or in Logan's case three seasons we feel like they're ready to carry the full load We'll be a little bit more uh, reserved with Bryce. We feel like he's built out. Uh, he did throw a full slate of innings last year in the minor leagues, but this will be his first chance at pitching, you know, for the full major league schedule where we do play, you know, the extra month. And there is an expectation of starting in a lot of cases, like he experienced already, on the fifth day of rest, which is the newest thing for all these kids. You know, one of the, the nuances and the change in the minor league schedule where we now play weekly series we, we play a week-long series against an opponent and monday is a standard off day around the minor leagues i think it's wonderful for quality of life uh it's probably not ideal in developing pitchers to throw on five days rest uh, there's it's just a little bit wonky and you know that's one thing we're trying to remain aware of with bryce uh and with brian Wu, you're an entirely different category you know Wu has not develop the kind of innings totals or or consistency with taking the ball over long season starts he has had you know arm issues in in his past so we're going to be very cautious in, in how we manage that over time and for the time being because it's still relatively early in the season we're going to let you know his his physical i guess crispness tell us which way to go next but uh, we will be a more, uh, I guess, antenna up on what's happening with Wu and, and any fatigue levels we see. And we will be more inclined to skip starts, you know, move him around in a rotation to try to manage innings because we, we don't want to pile it on. Munoz has looked phenomenal. Dylan Moore has been able to get his, uh, his feet underneath him. Any timetable, I think you said to us last week, it might be about a month for Marco before we could see him back out there. Has there been any setback? Is he going to start to begin uh, some throwing? Where are we at in the Marco getting back into the rotation fold? 
No, no setback. You know, as, as far as I understand, he's uh, he's set to start uh, his his throwing program uh, sometime next week if all goes well. And we have no real timeline on his return. Uh, I would still anticipate, as I said, you know, with that month, it's going to be at least a month. You know, there's a, there was at least a month and two weeks down. He's not going to throw, and then we have to go through a progression to get him back to a mound. So, you know, that was the minimum requirement. And, and on the maximum, we're going to let his body tell us. And, and when he gets out and starts playing catch uh, off a mound, like I said, hopefully sometime in the next week, you know, we'll, we'll have a better idea what that looks like. Um, but beyond that, we don't really have an expectation of, of when he might be back. And if we found a DH? If we, if, you know, the, I think Mike Ford now eighth time uh, the, the charm here uh, <laughs> with the different teams that he's been around, and it certainly hit some big home runs here over the last couple of weeks. If we found uh, some power at the DH, you know, I, there's I think this is Mike Ford's eighth time with the Mariners, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Fordo, I, th- I I heard someone downstairs in the clubhouse uh, drop this. I think it was yesterday. At uh, there, there's. Hey, we're all good. We've got George Herman Ford. I, and I think, uh, you know, Mike is, he's an interesting guy. He has been, you know, from really from the time he signed with the Yankees as a non-drafted free agent, he has been an awesome minor league offensive player. Is it the combination of swing decisions on base power at the minor league levels? And, and uh, it's what drove us to picking him in the rule five draft back when we did. Uh, it is what has attracted us to, to bring him back to the organization so many times. And, and he has had pockets like we're seeing right now, you know, a couple of years ago with the Yankees, when, when they were, you know, really set back by injury, he got an opportunity to play and, and he got meaningful playing time and he delivered meaningful results. And, and I think if, if being honest, this is the first time in, in, in his run as a Mariner that he's gotten meaningful or consistent playing time instead of just being occasionally dropped in as a DH or a pinch hitter. So hopefully we're seeing Mike Ford, you know, adjust to the major leagues the way he's always hit in the minor leagues, because this is one of the most selective, you know, calm, powerful minor league hitters that, that has played in the last, you know, decade, really. And, and I'd love to see some of it translate like it's translated this week. And, and it would be a huge boost for us if he continues to do the things he's doing right now, clearly. Jerry, good stuff as always. Thank you uh, for doing it. Hopefully this team can win on a Wednesday next week so that we uh, have a different conversation on a Thursday. I don't know why it seems to go this way constantly, but uh, a much better week approach-wise. Thanks for all of the info, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, guys. All right, there's Jerry DePoto, who, of course, joins us every Thursday at 8.30. You can hear Friday mornings at 6.30 as well. All right, coming up next, uh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't feed the trolls. Maybe I shouldn't give this person the publicity they want, but I'm a sucker, and I'm gonna. We'll do it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.